Hi crew and welcome back to the BeerCast. It is your host here, James Rankin. This week I'm joined on the show by James Hobart. For those who don't know, James is a member of the CrossFit seminar staff. So he has coached CrossFit coaches across the world through their level one and level two over the years. He is currently running CrossFit's affiliate program, which is where he provides programming for CrossFit affiliates. And we dive into this further on the podcast. And he is a former CrossFit Games winner. He's won it three times on two different teams with CrossFit Mayhem Freedom twice and with CrossFit New England back in the early 2010s. This is a super fun conversation. James is someone I've really looked up to in the past and currently um, for my coaching inspiration, just as someone who, who communicates the basics so, so, so well. And it was really, really good to have him on the podcast. As always team, please enjoy the show. James, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, James, thanks for having me. Well, this is good, the two Jameses, isn't it? Um, first question, what are you diving deep on at the minute? Like, what are you really geeking out on? Oh, what am I geeking out on? Um, you know what I'm starting to geek out on? And um, so one of the things I do, I work for CrossFit. One of the things I do in that role is I help them create content for um, their CrossFit affiliate programming. And I work with that team. Um, and we do like a, a tip series, you know, throughout the month, we'll do like a weekly tip series. And two months ago, or a month ago in June, um, one of our content writers, she did four weeks on postpartum and pregnant athletes. And, um, you know, obviously that's, uh, I probably won't ever get pregnant. So uh, that's something, I don't know, it was just, it was really neat reading uh, her material and um, just starting to understand more about that. So I think that's something I want to, you know, start looking into more just about that entire process and how it, how it affects the body and especially relative to training. Um, you know, that that's probably on the fitness side, something I'm geeking out on. And then just last, uh, on Monday, I stopped drinking caffeine and um, I love caffeine. I hate coffee, but you know, caffeine, caffeine's a hell of a drug. So I'll drink it anyway, but uh, I cut caffeine out. So I'm going to kind of track that and, and yeah. see how some things go there and, and what that I've done it once before. And um, I like, I, I'm really interested in that. So nothing too exciting right now. So but, uh, all the things you said there, I'm going to interrupt you. You said you hate coffee. I don't hate it. That's probably a really strong word, but I, I you know, anyone who, who really, and I'll tell you this, I've never had a, a hot cup of coffee not once in my life um iced coffee is okay okay and um i feel that's that's a really american thing too but maybe maybe not we love iced coffee we love cold coffee here um but yeah i've never had i don't really love the taste of it and um but i do like caffeine so i've drank it for a long time and it was a better substitute than energy drinks because i love energy drinks but i'm pretty sure they're rotting my soul yeah, and my teeth they're just not good um, yeah so my buddy of mine once said, though, he said, if it has preservatives in it, it probably means it's preserving your body, right? Like, that's the logic there. <laughs> if that's how it works, then it would be, let's eat all the Haribo, let's eat all the... That's the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, just taking a peek into those two things, a little bit of little bit of self, little bit of self-interest there in terms of seeing how things get tuned up with a little less caffeine in my life. I love it. Um, the CrossFit affiliate program stuff. Dive yeah. into that a little bit more. What is it? What's it about? What's the aim behind it all? Yeah, that's a that's a big question. I mean, fundamentally, really, our goal through CrossFit was to offer affiliates 
Um, another option, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of options out there in terms of affiliate programming, class plans, you know, depending on who you want to get them from. And we wanted to offer it based on, you know, our methodology and our EDU tenants inside of CrossFit at its basic CrossFit affiliate programming is programming for your affiliate and daily class plans. Um, there's more that goes into it than that. But um, I think it's something that uh, CrossFit had been waiting a really long time to do and, and maybe had always had always wanted to do. But for whatever reason, you know, there was still bigger priorities and focuses. And we started launching this almost a, yeah, about a year ago, um, last July. And um, it's really neat because now, you know, we have... 50% of our subscribers for CrossFit Affiliate Programming are international. 50% um, are in the U.S. And that's a, that's a really cool thing to see, um, just uh, how, how widespread that is. But that's what it is, is essentially. It's CrossFit Programming uh, for affiliates and, uh, and class plans. There's some other add-ons to it. You know, we've tried really hard to use this as a tool to provide some sort of diurnal coaching development for people inside of the gym mm -hmm. um, and coaches using it regardless of their skill level. The class plans are pretty robust. Um, as you and I touched on, there's weekly tips yeah. that get released every week. Um, we just recently added um, continuing education units um, built into those weekly tips that uh, eligible coaches can participate in. And then there's a lot of video content, uh, a lot of video content that, that goes into that as well. So handful of stuff going on there. It's been a learning process. Um, people have strong feelings about programming, which is fine. But, uh, you know, I knew that going into this yeah. and now, now I don't think it's something I'll ever forget, but, uh, it's been, it's been, I would say the positive has certainly, uh, there's been more positive than negative and uh, it's been a learning process for sure, but I've, I've enjoyed it. And the team I work with is really awesome. Awesome. What's the biggest, uh, obstacle you've got facing around like, uh, offering programming for people? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, and this is something, the short answer is this, the biggest obstacle is communicating with people who we are, what we do and why we do it and what's available. Um, you know, we put something out or we'll make a release or an announcement. We're like, yeah, everybody's got it. Everybody's heard about it. And then I'll touch base with people who like, I would consider like diehards. And they're like, yeah, I didn't hear about that. So I think you realize a couple of things like in today's day and age, one, how inundated we are with information, you know, yeah. and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's basically like people are receiving information everywhere all the time. Emails, if you're on a computer, if you're on your phone, social media, news, um, if anyone listens to the radio anymore, but uh, you just realize how consistent you have to be and how precise you have to be and how explicit you have to be in communicating with people. Um, I think that's one of the biggest obstacles because we still get people who come to us. Um, and this is a fine question that they have, but they're like, well, you guys are CrossFit affiliate programming. What kind of, you know, what do you guys offer in terms of programming? And it's like, well, it's CrossFit methodology programming. Mm -hmm. um, and so just, just really getting that across to people, I think is important because I do really believe, um, you know, and I grew up into CrossFit in a time and I'm rambling here when there were probably less than maybe a hundred affiliates, 200 affiliates when I started doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I was a really big fan of the idea that, you know, each affiliate had its own personality and kind of did its own thing. So I really, I don't mind. And someone once told me I'm a terrible salesman. 
I don't mind if you want to go do someone else's programming. Yeah. I think there's tons of value to our programming. And of course, I really care about it. Our team puts a lot of effort into it. But we are probably something different than, you know, someone else who offers it. You know, we, we, we do do things a little bit differently. And to communicate that, I think it's one of the biggest obstacles, but also really important because I want someone to come to us because they know who we are, understand it. And they're like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I hate this scenario where it's like, yeah, I'll try it out. Don't know anything about it. And they're like, mm, yeah, this isn't for us. I would, you know, I'd rather just cut that out from the start and you go somewhere that is best fit for you. Yeah. That you are an awful salesperson in that sense then. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. And, that, and, I'm, and honestly, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's the best, most, uh, uh, morally non-corrupt salesperson that you can be. Yeah. Um, with CrossFit methodology. So, for you then what for you what is like gpp which is let me get my word straight yeah CrossFit, yeah crossfit for me whenever i think of it i started it in 2011 and it was like general physical preparedness and that's been my everlasting view of it and now we have these superhuman people who compete in the sport of it as well not that they weren't superhuman in 2011, but if you were rich froning in 2011 compared to now, you're not getting to the games anymore. Yeah. Um, what's your view on that competitive to GPP? And what do you think most gyms should be? How do you think gyms should be doing it program wise? Oh, how do I think gyms should be doing it? Shoes um, a funny word, isn't it? That's a really nice way to say it, James. Yeah, it is a funny word. Um, that's, a, that's a very, you know, that's like a, a politically safe way. Yeah. Um, how do I think gyms should be doing it? Well, I will, I don't know how, I, I do have an opinion, but I'll say this generally. Um, you know, someone wants, you know, they always ask me like, can I work out two or three times a day? And I think you could probably say, hey, will working out two or three times a day make you fitter than working out once a day? I think the answer is depends. It certainly could yeah. for all of it, for anyone who's competed and competed regularly in events that have multiple um, workouts in a single day, you probably have some pretty clear evidence that, that shows, Hey, working out two or three times a day creates adaptate adaptations faster or allows me to create more adaptations in a shorter period of time. Now, does that keep you fitter in the very long term, like throughout the years of your life to maybe you kind of wear your body down too hard? I don't know yet. You know, you do talk about a guy like Rich. I think he just just had a birthday yesterday. Um, and, uh, you know, he's in his he's in his mid 30s. And, you know, he finished top 20 in the open this year, top 15, I think. So it's like, isn't it? Isn't it? He's been doing, you know, I don't, I don't know anyone who's been doing it at his level, maybe like a Beck of Voigt, who's yeah. competed at the games, you know, multiple times, individual now masters, um, or a Sam Briggs. And I look at them and I'm like, they're probably working out more than once a day and they're doing just fine. Mm -hmm. um, now, that being said, most of us who are going into an affiliate now, you know, you, you said you had, you know, you just had a, had a, had a daughter, um, you know, your partner, your business partner has a daughter. Or a, or, a, or a newborn and um, your life probably doesn't make opportunity for two or three workouts a day. Right. Nope. And I think most of us are like that. And that being said, I will say this, and this goes all the way back to, to Greg's original articles. And we've seen this time and time again, the least you need to get fitter for a lifetime is warm up, workout, cool down one time a day. 
five to six days a week. So shoulds aside, <laughs> I think the model is this, like, here's the deal you can. And if you want to look at this from a business perspective, great. You can offer your clientele something extremely effective, fun, sustainable, apl applicable um, with just one workout a day. Yeah. So I won't throw shoulds out there, but I'll tell you this, you know, I've been in affiliates where they're running really, really super packed classes with the amount of stuff they put in. Um, I think it's a much more challenging model to run. Mm -hmm. um, I think it has more wear and tear on the coaches. Yeah. And I, I think long-term for most people who are doing a nine to five, I don't know how sustainable that is in the gym. And a lot of the gyms, you know, and personally, anecdotally, I've seen like a, a swing, especially in the level twos of people being like, hey, we used to do the 10 elements in a single class or the warm-up skill, strength, Metcon, another skill. And now we're going back to just doing less because yeah. um, it is easier to, to apply. I think you get a better coached product out of it and um, it still works. Yeah. So should decide, I, I think that's my take on it now. Yeah. Um, I love it. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you found anything similar. I, how, how long have you had your affiliate? So I don't own an affiliate. I just work there, but okay. this is the third different CrossFit gym I've worked in. And this is the first one where we follow a more traditional CrossFit model where it's one element a day. So today, for example, it was um, eight heavy singles of snatch. And that was the whole class. And in a previous life, I would have looked at that and thought that is 15 minutes of the class. <laughs> What else yeah. are we going to do? And honestly, whenever I first started working at Buu, where I am now, I, I find it really hard to coach to try and, this sounds awful, but fill the class. Like the, the whole idea yeah. of taking 40 minutes to build up to a 10-minute workout and, and give value was foreign to me and didn't really resonate until it did. And I actually said to Jamie, uh, my boss, the other day that – I, I train three times a week at the minute. Mm. One class, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I snatch within 10 kilos of my PR snatch. I can do fan within 90 seconds of my PR fan. And I have zero joint pain. I have zero any other pain. And I used to walk around with dodgy knees. So yeah. my view on it is, anecdotally, it fucking works. <laughs> you know, I like yeah. I physically live it I feel it I coach it I'm like oh this, this like if you actually pay attention and go at it where possible if you can hit the stimulus that day it works so yeah and I I yeah I, I couldn't agree I couldn't agree more more with you there and I think it takes time to learn that and and I do leave open for hey if you're an affiliate that has like all 20 somethings in there you know, or, or even, even older, you know, I've, I've run into some gyms where they have just like this stable of masters maniacs that just want to like hammer it. I, I do think that's okay. And I also think if you're going to run that kind of business, you should always be reflexive to the extent of like, Hey, this, this style might not last forever. Maybe I do have to kind of change my style. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the most important things. Um, but yeah, I, I found it easier with a little bit less something that looks more like a, like the traditional model. Um, What's interesting too, though, and I think this goes back to, to, to Glassman's original genius in creating this, is I was reading his What is Fitness article the other day. And in the What is Fitness article, he talks about the implementation of the program, and he covers all the stuff we've done, already done, or might be doing. You know, He basically says, hey, you do have time in an hour class to warm up with a skill, mm -hmm. to go through a heavy lift, 
and to finish off with like, I think he calls it like a, I don't know, a lightning fast Metcon or something like that. And he says also on other days, we just do, um, you know, five rounds of interval work. And on other days we just do a heavy lift. I mean, like he outlined all of the structures of it. And, and uh, you know, I think, I always think that's really interesting, but um, yeah, I guess that's, that's my take on the shoulds. It's cool to hear your perspective on that too. Yeah, I love it. It just suits my, it, it's that, like what you said, it suits me and my lifestyle at the minute. So it's, it's absolutely perfect. With your training personally at the minute, you qualified for the games, right? Not this year. Last year I did. Last year. Um, yeah. And what was your training like leading up to that? Um, earlier in that year, it was not great. Uh, it was, it was really, you know, I've had a, I've had a really interesting relationship with training since I was like in 2017 or 26, end of 2016, I was really like, Hey, I'm going to be done competing. Yeah. Um, and that's when I, I, I moved back from Tennessee, back up to Boston. Um, and that was the, my final year I competed with mayhem was 2016. And I kind of had this approach of like this thought in my head of, of basically, Hey, I've spent all this time for competing and I never, ever, ever, ever expected to have that kind of success with competing or was going to make it like my main focus. And so I was like, I need to get back to my, the rest of my life and do other stuff now. And, um, I kind of quit like competing cold Turkey, cold Turkey. And uh, I took this mindset of like, Hey, if I'm not going to try and win the games, why would I even train? Yeah. And, um, I, 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 I struggled with that. I should say I wrestled with that, that for a while. And I think that was the wrong approach initially was for me to go, to go that route of just from a hundred back down to zero and just, you know, pull the eject cord. Um, I wish I had been a, a little bit more, um, patient, you know, and, and kind of figured out what was the best way to do it. So it's kind of just been like a, you know, how do I get back to just training regularly? Um, anyway, rewind to 2021. Um, I really took a lot of time off from exercising (laughs) straight up. Like, and that was for a lot of reasons. Um, I kind of have a personality that is obsessive. So if I'm going to do CrossFit, I'm going to train six times a day and I'm going to do all this stuff. If I'm going to focus on my job, I'm going to work. I feel like as much as I possibly can. And I'm going to make that my sole focus, whether or not I'm productive or not, or do a good job, I don't know. but I'm going to be obsessed about it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I kind of took that to an extreme. So I took a lot of time off really from, from exercise and, and CrossFit. And then I started to get back into it um, around the winter time, December holiday. And then I always love the open. I'll always do it, whether I'm good or I totally suck. And so I started doing the open and the story I've told a couple of times is I got a message from my, my sister-in-law and she said, Hey, you're doing really, really nice job in the open. And I went and looked at my score in the individual rankings. And I was like, I'm actually doing worse than I ever have. And she goes, no, no, no. in your age group. And I didn't know <laughs> that I was a master. And I was like, Oh shit. And so immediately I went home and I talked to my wife. I said, I think I might be able to qualify as a master this year. Wow. And, um, so I started like redoing workouts. I started training way harder. So from, from January on the training was, was a little bit more aggressive and, um, you know, did qualify. It was really fun. Probably one of my favorite years of competing. And then kind of the same thing happened this year. I took a lot of time away from training after the games. And in my heart, I was like, Oh, I really want to compete again this year. And then this season quality of competitors, I think is way higher in the masters. 
um, all around. Yeah. And um, I was just underprepared. So it was like the people were better. I was not as prepared and um, still did this year. I think I did all right, but um, we'll see. We'll see what it looks like um, in the future. As, as a master, what you realize, and the masters are the ones that are doing it well are really keen to this. They do this like when they're when they're at the bottom of their age bracket, you know, when you just turn 35, they're hammering it. Yeah. And then maybe around 37, they're taking three years off until they get to 40. Come back. And then when 40. they're 40, yeah, they're going crazy. <laughs> so you my perspective now of competing is is like you're taking you know, three years off. If nothing happens this year, I'm okay with it. Yeah, it's it's so funny. Like in the past, yeah. it was like if I don't train this year, or I miss this year, my life's over. Yeah. Whereas now I'm like. Yeah, it's okay. You know, like 40s right around the corner. <laughs> um, uh, so, so yeah, did not make it this year. Um, kind of bummed. It's a, it's a cool, talented group out there. And it, yeah. it's really fun competing as a master. So we'll see. We'll see what next year brings. And see what happens when the Open comes around. Yeah, it's hard, man. I get the bug with the Open. I really oh, love, you I'm know, the competitive, the competitive side of it. And I love how crazy it makes people, you know, like people grown who adults. Have, like no competitive crossfit aspirations at all are like well i come back tomorrow and do this again and what about yeah. monday can i do it but it's amazing i love it um with regards to competing and maybe maybe specifically with um your success with mayhem then what would you say your biggest lesson is from competing or from winning um, oh, there's a couple lessons there. I can't, I can't say it's just one. Um, one of the lessons I learned, I learned more, more recently. Um, and I think this is what happened to me. Like I was so focused on winning. Mm -hmm. The winning was sort of, this is going to sound bad, almost unsatisfying. Yeah. Um, you kind of win and it was like, and I'll never forget this in, in 20 and 2016, when we won, I kind of had this feeling of like, Oh man, that wasn't as that feeling of winning, like wasn't as great as I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, something I learned very recently from, uh, from a friend I've known for a while, but spent more time with since I moved to Colorado, Brian Chantosh, um, he runs, you know, these really cool physical endeavors and, and through that he transfers a lot of the, the leadership lessons he's learned through his life of ultra endurance racing, all of the time he spent, you know, leading, uh, in the military, just his own experience. He's a really incredible guy, really interesting. But um, he said, you know, you need to have multiple, one of the lessons I learned, you need to have multiple extrinsic and intrinsic motivators. You know, I think we get so wrapped up in our world of like, you got to have that one intrinsic motivator, but it's like, what happens when that thing goes, appears or falls apart, your world's a mess. Um, and so that's a lesson I learned, but I didn't learn that till after the fact. Um, a couple other lessons I learned, you know, I think we're just, a lot of, a lot of boatloads of empathy. And that was just from, from competing on a team and just how to, how to work with people when they get stressed out and really try and evaluate when something is a problem and when something just causes some friction, you know, and we were talking about this recently uh, on another podcast. Like I always wondered what we did well as a team at mayhem. Like, yeah, we were fit. Mm -hmm. Rich was, Rich was, um, you know, ha had a, had a, had a gravity to him. There were always fit people down at, in Tennessee. Um, he had a, he had an incredible work ethic and that's probably the third lesson. We'll get to that. But, um, one of the things I think we did so well is that when things went wrong on our team, 
we just kind of figured it out. Like there was no, there was no panic. There was always this attitude of something went wrong. It was not so much like this is going wrong and we need to freak out. It was more of like, okay, how do we fix it? You know, and, and everyone on the team had that. And that was something I think we did extraordinarily better than a lot of the other teams out there. And I didn't realize that until I, I did some commentating for the games and I, I did it at regionals and I did it at the games. I did it for the teams and I would watch teams have meltdowns. And I was like, Oh man, that's what we did better. Cause we never had that happen. And I would yeah. watch teams do it and they were fit people and they would have that one meltdown and it would just, you know, everything became that's chaos. So I don't know what, I don't know. I don't have a word for whatever mm -hmm. that lesson is, but that's the lesson. We, I learned that in spades. And then the other thing I learned, and this is funny, um, you know, you could always do something in terms of fitness. And I think this is, this is, this transpires to competing. This transpires to just what we're talking about and going in three to four times a week, just taking care of yourself and being fit for your life. Mm -hmm. um, you can always do something. And that's, I think CrossFit gives that gift. Yeah. And uh, that's something Rich, Rich, you know, would talk about. And I think is a is part of his mindset and work ethic was like you could always go out in the garage and do something. And um, that's something we thought about a lot. Yeah. And definitely um, was was a lesson learned. Like it, it was, it's not, it's not complicated. Yeah, I love it. There are three great lessons. That first one of that intrinsic and extrinsic having a mix. That's. Um, That'd be very against the grain of like modern Instagram culture now, wouldn't it? It's the whole Simon Sinek, what's your why? You need that one big thing. But it doesn't, that's never really sat well with me. So that's, I like that perspective. You need multiple, multiple ones. So it, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I, and I think it's something to, to play around with, like think back on your life when you only had that one goal and those one goals, don't get me wrong, can be motivating, but you should have some little, you know, there should be some backup. There should be some yeah. other little things in there that you, that is also motivating you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I learned that the hard way a couple different times. And um, since I've really thought about, and it's not a lot, like I think in, in certain cases I have maybe three or four, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like I have 10. But, you know, I definitely have more things I can pull on when the going gets tough. And that's really, really important. Yeah. Awesome. So with regards to the lessons you learned with um, the Mayhem team, that element of calmness and stuff, is that something you've been able to extract and take with you into the coaching side of things as well? I hope so. Um, you know, the other thing I think I've learned is, is – as I've gotten older is the portability of skills is not one-to-one, -one. you know, it's like, um, I heard a quote once and some, I think who said it, oh, gosh, I don't remember. I want to say it was Terry Cruz, but he was the old spice guy. And yeah, he was on yeah, Brooklyn yeah. nine. I don't know if you, but anyway, I think he said something he said of like success is the easiest place to hide. Right. Cause I think we see somebody six and that's such a good quote. We see somebody successful and you're like, Oh, that guy, he's successful or she's successful, they'll definitely be good at doing this. And it's really easy to trick yourself into thinking those, all those skills of success or these broad sweeping skills are just portable to something specific. And um, if I've learned anything I've, as I've gotten older, it's that um, the people who are really excellent that I've run into in my life, they have learned not just how to be great in any one area, but they've learned how to take their successes and their lessons learned and port those skills to something else. Like that is one of the hardest things to do, but the people who are really outstanding, you know, the diamonds in the rough that I bumped into, that's, the, that's one of the skills they have is they're like, Hey, I'm going to learn this discipline over here 
but then I'm going to learn how to apply that discipline when um, I'm at home having an argument with my, with my partner. Um, And that's, that's really important. So I'd like to think that the calmness I've I've learned from there, um, I've been able to bring to other areas of my life. I don't know if I've done it everywhere successfully. (laughs) Um, And it's funny too, because it's like, I remember back vividly um, to being on the team and just like watching chaos around me and just everything is calm and easy. And I've always felt that way. I don't, you know, I can feel that way in the gym too. Like I don't get really ruffled by a lot of stuff when I'm coaching, but I can think of several areas in my life where it's like the smallest thing set me off. Um, and so it's like, all right, well, how do I bring that? How do I bring that skill from over there into this area of my life? Yeah. Don't, don't let your success in one area trick you into thinking that, uh, that, um, it's always going to be, you're going to be successful everywhere else. You know, it's like really pay attention. I've never heard that quote before, but that is amazing. Success is the easiest don't, place to hide. Yeah. So sometimes I just put that don't, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know where I heard that from, but hey, you can Google that. But it's, a, I Terry think it's a really, it. It, yeah. yeah, it exactly. Um, it's a really nice quote. And, and, and for me, it, it rang true, right? Like it's yeah. people look at you like you're successful and like you talk about in the Instagram culture um, and that's, you're that one thing. And it's like all the other stuff below that might be good or bad. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And it's like, that's just not who we are as people. Yeah. Um, we're big can, balls of complexity. You could probably flip that as well, though, right? In, in this idea of comparison culture that we have, where you look at this person and go, oh, they're successful. But it's like, I always think of like Elon Musk with this type of thing. It's like richest man in the world. Wouldn't it be great to have all his riches? But to have all that money and all that power and all that fame, there's downsides to that. There has to be like his relationships with his partners, plural, <laughs> over the yeah, years. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably hasn't been great. Um, with his yeah. kids, probably hasn't been great. I don't know. Like, does he sleep at night? Like, is he fully functioning health wise? Like, there there has to be downsides to working sixteen to eighteen hours a day for thirty years. Yeah, it's hundred percent. Yeah. So that's that's what triggered in my head instantly whenever you said that. Interesting. 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 <laughs> Yeah. And like you said, it's, it's a complex problem because maybe what we might see as a downside, he sees as like a necessary cost or necessary sacrifice, you know, yeah. um, we, you know, we always, you know, this has come up a lot, at least in the CrossFit community in terms of like, Hey, you know what I'll say, not even just a competitor in a gym, if you are in the games, if you want to go out and own a small business, right? Like having these things where you need to nurture them, you know, inordinately in terms of time and resources, um, yeah, they're going to be costs to that. But, you know, it's funny too. When I, I look at Elon too, and I hear him speak and I don't know, I also feel like with everything that he has and has accomplished, I'm like, this guy clearly seems like there's just something he, there's an itch that he has not been able to scratch yet. He is. It's like you went in the games. He was on, he's unsatisfied. Yeah. He that's is the, that's like the, yeah. and I could be really wrong with that, but that's like, it's funny. Cause that's, that's the feeling I get is like, despite that, that level of opulence and accomplishment and you know like he is probably one of the not only richest but most influential people on the planet um yeah when i see him interview or chat i'm like there's clearly something he has you know there's a scab he's still trying to pick off um which is interesting which is interesting we had a in in our gym we run like a a weekly podcast club between the coaches and it's just a Mm. way for us to that's cool it's a way for us to talk to each other, honestly, um, and, and kind of not talk about coaching for five minutes and just go and grab a coffee as a team. And 
I presented a podcast the other week and it was about the tension between success and happiness. And it's something I always struggle with internally as well. And it's funny now hearing you talk about it and we talked about Elon and it's like, in order to be, we want this level of success and we think that when we get it, that'll make us happy. And we Mm. almost have to sacrifice a level of happiness in order to get there. Then when we get there, we're not happy. And then we go and do or try and find a thing that just makes us happy anyway that we could have done in the first place without chasing the success. And it's, it's like we want success, but do we really want success? And we want happiness. Or, and it blows my mind all the time trying to think about this paradox of how can we get both? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And how can you get both without being that person who's so who's so self-reflective that you're just stagnant? You know, I, I, <laughs> exactly. I, I, I and then there's that. no success. None. No, you don't do anything. I love that saying, um, you know, the unexamined life is not worth living. But then at the same time, you know, there is this like, if you examine too much, man, it's really, really dangerous. Um, it's funny you say that. Yeah, that 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 hits the nail on the head for me. And it was like one when I now look back on it, it's like, I did, I, I love winning. I love competing. Um, I love the struggle. I love fighting someone else at their best. Mm-hmm. But I think what I was, you know, when I only looked at the winning, I lost sight of all those other things. Cause what I also really loved and what I missed so much when I sort of stopped, when I stopped competing was like the camaraderie of it. Like, man. And when I finally went back in the gym and let myself get back to just like that, Hey, this workout sucks. And it also looks like it sucks for you. And that's super cool. Mm -hmm. Let's high five over that, you know, that misery loves company, that, that common experience of, of, of shared struggle. When I finally let myself get back to that, that's what I missed the most. You know, it wasn't for me, it wasn't always about, you know, the winning was what the goal was for us, but the motivation was the fact that there were, there were five of us, you know, going toward that together and struggling together, man, did I miss that like crazy. Um, And that was one of the most fun things. So hard to replace. Um, And that was one of the most fun things about competing back at the masters was like, Oh, cool. We're doing it again. You know? Um, And I, you know, recently joined an affiliate out here in Colorado, which I owned an affiliate in Boston, which was a very different experience um, for me than being an affiliate member. and, And for the last six months or so i've just been a, been a member at crossfit mafia out here and man it's been it's been like i started crossfit all over again you know i feel i feel like it's 2008 for me yeah it's amazing um it's been super fun yeah super fun um, not a single bad thing to say about it that's awesome change of gears a little bit here um you've done crossfit seminars we we're talking before the the call and you've done level ones and level twos all over the world something and you've done countless videos you're all over youtube and crossfit posted one of you this week actually on instagram a reel talking about the fitness wellness continuum and yep. something that i've always admired about you in particular and chuck is really good as well is just how well you actually communicate like mm. how you pronounce your words um how you uh how loud and clear you are at the same time but then just also like when you're talking it's like i'm going yeah yeah Mm -hmm. 
I'm, I'm ready for you to say the next thing. Like you suck people in really well. Is that something you've worked on? Is that something you were just kind of good at or what's the story behind your communication skills? Um, well, I, I'm very grateful for the leveled comparison to, to Chuck Carswell in, in <laughs> any, in, in any facet. Um, but that's really nice of you to say, James. Yes, I've worked on it. And as you can tell, I have no problem wanting to talk, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, I was just, just picking through, we're cleaning out our house. I was just picking through some junk and, um, I found my elementary school yearbook and wow. in it, I went to a really small school, but in it, they, um, it was basically like they had every student and it was like, imagine so-and-so not doing this. It was basically like us not doing the thing we always did as kids. And, and mine was imagine James without a smart Alec comment, you know, without a smart ass <laughs> remark. And it's like, so clearly I've been talking for too, too much and too long. Yeah. So I've had a lot of practice. Um, yes, I would say this, I think, um, you know, I've been presenting to people for a really long time and it goes back to like, I did drama in high school. Um, I presented a lot throughout college just because of the courses I took. I went to, attended uh, law school, you know, not that that matters for anything other than just giving the example of, you know, we presented cases in law school. So you had that practice in those moot court settings. And then coming on to seminar staff, seminar staff is one of the coolest parts about seminar staff is it's filled with a lot of people who want to work really hard um, and also really want to take a lot of constructive. Well, I don't know if everyone wants to take it, but they're willing to apply it after taking it constructive feedback and the structure of seminar staff is set up. So um, we receive, depending on what position you're in, we receive feedback every single seminar. Um, And then, you know, the course leaders who are running the courses provide that feedback. Yeah. The course, uh, the course leaders, we call them flow masters. They receive feedback from mentors. Um, Chuck Carswell and a team of uh, senior seminar staff, actually, yeah, Chuck and a team of senior seminar staff, um, coaches and managers basically, re- you know, they lead this, this project called, um, you know, it's like, uh, it's like course excellence. Okay. So they're providing like they're R and D and feedback and, and development, professional development for our staff. And that's been uh, something that's been alive and well in seminar staff for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of that is probably attributed to, you know, Greg's demand for excellence, but also I think something Nicole Carroll and Dave Castro really created a structure for inside of seminar staff and making sure people came on who both wanted to develop give feedback, receive, and, and receive feedback. So to say that I've, I've been practicing it and receiving feedback on it is, um, is, is right on. Deadly. Yeah. We're very fortunate that way. Yeah. It's super important. We have a really good feedback culture in work at the minute, like full awesome. 360. It's, it's great. What's the best, most painful feedback you've ever got? Is there anything that really? Oh yeah, out? there's something. Oh gosh, yeah, there's tons. Um, I remember we did a seminar. I think this was up in Canada or in the Pacific Northwest, but um, we did a seminar, and I think I was there with like Austin Maliolo. I was there with Matt Chan. I was there with Curtis Bowler. Oh wow. Um, I don't remember. There, there's one other, one or two other trainers there, and I remember there was a piece of feedback that came through, and. It was basically like, 
really cool to meet Austin. Matt Chan was fantastic. Curtis Bowler did a great job leading the seminar. James Hobart was kind of disappointing. Oh. And um, yeah, <laughs> and there's probably been a couple others like that. But I remember, and, and that really dinged me up because I was pretty new on seminar staff at the time. And you are putting a lot into those weekends. But here's the deal. It's 60 people. There's going to be someone in there who maybe not be super impressed with you. And I remember I was talking to Pat Sherwood at the time, um, was a, who was a senior flow master. And I was pretty banged up about it. And he basically was like, look, you're going to get good feedback. You're going to get bad feedback. Deal with it. And um, <laughs> that's not the right answer for everybody. Yeah. But for me, it made a lot of sense. It was essentially like, if you're at this point where you're getting this kind of feedback, understand that it's going to happen. I mean, just yeah. like the way the numbers shake out, like you're going to get some negative feedback. Um, that has been one that has always stuck with me. Disappointment. Um, it's a horrible word, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's brutal. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, I, I was lucky enough where it made me look at, okay, well, what could I do better? I don't know why I disappointed this person because it might not even have anything to do with me. Maybe I just said one off color thing or yeah. maybe they had this expectation of me in their mind. Like I was supposed to be seven feet tall and shoot lasers out of my eyes and I show up <laughs> and I'm just this little skinny five foot average. Um, but uh, it, it did help me focus more on, on what I wanted to be better at, you know? That's awesome. That's was, it wasn't awesome hearing that. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was not, a, that, that's, that stuck with me. I mean, that was probably 12 years ago. Oh, wow. 11 years ago. Damn. What's the, what's your favorite thing about seminar stuff? About oh, the people I meet. Yeah. I mean, I love to, it's hard. It's probably a tie between, teaching to a captive audience yeah. if anybody's had the experience and I've, I've said this time and time again you know you've had that experience as an affiliate coach when you get that audience that laughs at all your corny jokes they hang on every word man that's special yeah um it's it's and then you see a light bulb go off when they learn something that's for me i don't know if there's many things more rewarding than that in life that i'll find like i i expect i've experienced a couple and i expect a couple more but that is like that's up there um, but the other one is just meeting people, you know, obviously, like I said, I, I like to chat and, um, in tra traveling gave me such a, it's so incomplete, such a beautiful perspective of the world and other people and the complexity of it all. God, I miss it. I miss it so much. And, you know, even any chance I get to travel and meet new people, I, I really enjoy that. I really, really enjoy it. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want to sit here and talk for the next three hours, we can do it. <laughs> you know like there's like there's more i want to know about yeah. you um awesome. so that that i really like about that i like about that a lot the, the level one and level two are just i can still remember my level one i remember carl and rob who took it and just my mind was blown that weekend it was yeah and that's a lot of the time that type of energy is what I try and bring to classes as well. That's what really blew me away. I'd never been in an environment like that before where the coaches were like amped for yeah. eight hours, ready to go. It was, oh, it's an experience. Um, That's, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. Those are, those are two, two of the best too. Um, yeah, those are, they're, 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 they're good dudes to they're say awesome. the least. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I, like I said, I, I think my reasons are, are selfish reasons, but the, the the specialness of the weekend and and the impact it has is pretty amazing. Yeah, you know, it's like oh. I've coached a lot of seminars, and I've I've never left a weekend and been like, wow, everybody there sucks. You know, <laughs> that hasn't that hasn't happened, and I know people have had jobs where they've gone in and you know, they've, I've had seminars that are probably, I remember more than some others, but I, every seminar I've left and I'm like, I wish we had one more day really to, to, to chat with those guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that hasn't gone away, which is, which is cause we, the air, you know, it's not like we teach the air squat new every time, you know, it's like yeah. that material is pretty much this, you know, yeah, heels yeah, down, yeah. knees out. <laughs> um, it's, you know, that, that hasn't changed, but, um, you know, bring it, the people we get to bring it to that's I, that's always awesome. Yeah always awesome for me kind of drifting off a little bit on that but sticking with the that idea of the material hasn't really changed much what do you think the the squats the squats there's there's other pieces of material it has i get what you mean um but what do you think crossfit can do or should do or is doing well going forward to help more people because i've seen the impact it had on me on my partner um, and on friends and family, it's like how good it's been, but it's not the, it's not like as big as soccer is in Europe or basketball isn't like, it's not that big yet. What can, what can it do to really, really impact people? Do you think even more? Well, you know, the localization of language is probably one of the biggest things, you know, for example, when I first started traveling for seminar staff and we would go down to South America, Latin America, um, we would have a translator. And now we have a cadre of staff down there who are delivering, you know, who are, can speak multiple languages, which is the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. That's the um, most impressive thing in the world, isn't it? That and singing people who can sing, man. I'm like, that is yeah. unreal. Yeah, man. Birds of a feather. Yeah. I feel the same. <laughs> if you're musically inclined and you can speak multiple languages, like you're operating on a higher plane than the rest yeah. of us. Um, but that staff now can deliver courses in Spanish and Portuguese, you know, so that's, that's a game changer for, yeah. for, for a student who's learning it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as that I think continues to develop globally, I think that will really help getting our material out to people in multiple languages. Um, I think is essential. It's a bear of a process. But I, you know, I, I feel like we CrossFit in, in specific areas is definitely moving in the right direction there. So, you know, not just having a US centric focus of CrossFit anymore. And, and I think they CrossFit does a, a really nice job of that, to be honest. Um, because we see 50% of affiliates outside of the US. I think, you know, don't quote me on this one, but I heard it once that like 50% of our web web traffic or close to it is coming from outside the US. So like I said, 50% of our, our subscribers on CrossFit affiliate programming are from outside the US. That's a really cool thing to see, but it also key, keys me into like, okay, where do we got to go next? And I think that's a really big one. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, and this might be a little nerdy, but I, I think, you know, continually looking at ways in which we can leverage technology and, uh, yeah, we can leverage technology in to communicate the CrossFit message and CrossFit methodology better. Um, you know, like how many people out there, for better or for worse, we live we live a lot of our life on the phone. Mm-hmm. And I think there are generations of people coming up now 
who don't even own a computer won't even ever own a computer. Like they're operating their social groups, you know, their relationships, a large part of that happens on the phone. So part of me thinks, you know, there's this, how can we leverage that technology to make sure that anyone anywhere can learn about CrossFit easily. And just continuing to look at those ways. Like when I walk in, when, when someone comes into your gym and they have a really awesome learning experience with you, cause you're a really effective coach. How do I translate some of those effective learning techniques and those coaching techniques that you, you use? And how do I put them, you know, like what are some of the essential things that I could, you know, put into technology so that way, when someone stumbles on CrossFit for the first time, and they can have some of those experiences, be really excited about CrossFit, and then go find a local affiliate. You know, it's like, like I said, it's kind of nerdy. It's definitely like the wonkish techno whiz world. But I think, I think there's something to it. I, I yeah. do. I really think there's something to that. Because um, I will say this, in, 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 I still think there are things to protect. But I think in a lot of ways, the horse has left the barn. And what I mean by that is there's thousands of great affiliates out there yeah. and, and, and the affiliates are CrossFit, you know, like there's, there's not, I don't feel like there's still work I need to do. There was this time and maybe I just had an overinflated self, you know, view of my self-importance, but there was this time where I was like, I need, you know, James Hobart needs to be at CrossFit because he's helping, you know, pull, pull the ship forward, push, the, you know, whatever it is. Um, and now it's like, but the affiliates are all doing it. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm the smallest part of it. Yeah. And because of that, I think good stuff is, is happening. So to continue equip affiliates with tools to do that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. I think is, is really important. And I don't have the answer of what those tools are. You know, I've, I've tried to build one out with my team at cap and yeah. help affiliates have that tool set. But those are a couple of things I, I think about. Um, yeah. but yeah, the localization of, of CrossFit content, that is to say, bring it in different languages, currencies, all that stuff. I think it's really important. Yeah, I think, I think it's really true. important. Yeah. With, with regards to then, are you coaching at the minute, like in a gym? So, yes, is the short answer. Um, <laughs> I was, I really, I've loved being just an athlete, like just, you know, show up, just tell me what to pick up, where to jump, I'll do it. Um, I've been really enjoying that. So I've been a little bit slow dipping my toe back into the coaching water, but, yeah. uh, our owner, Brittany Kincaid, she's also a member of seminar staff. Um, she went on vacation recently, just hey, said, Hey, could you just cover a couple classes? <laughs> so since then, you know, you, you get the bug, right? Yeah. yeah. So since then I'm, I'm, I've been coaching just a, one or two classes a week, but, um, I love it. Yeah. It's been really fun. Yeah. Why do you ask for you then? And you've mentioned that coach development before as well. This might be the impossible question to answer. What's the number one thing a new coach needs? I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe top five. Oh yeah. I, I like, I, you know, I'm a fence sitter. So I like the option for multiple ways. Um, <laughs> what, are, what are things new coaches need? I really do think, you know, we've always said, you know, I think the buzzword is like care. Coaches need to care. And if you care, you'll study. And if you care, you'll show up. And I think that's very true. I think at this point that goes without saying, like, if you don't have that, that desire to be a little bit more interested in other people than you are in yourself, you're going to struggle in this role. Yeah, That's it. And I think it's okay if you identify in yourself, like, Hey, I'm not into that. I think that's another, you know, good step. But so you know, the interest in other people is, is in teaching other people and taking care of other people in this coaching environment, I think is 
um, paramount, certainly. You absolutely have to have a willingness to improve your skill and probably improve your skill when it's a little bit more costly for you. I went through the coaching grind. I went through the part-time coaching grind. Um, I worked another job as I was a part-time coach. I think if coaching is really interesting to you, you just have to accept it first. It's not the easiest or most lucrative job at the start. There are definitely ways to make it more lucrative um, if that's something you need. But I think that's one of the biggest things. You have to want to learn when it's not easy. That's a huge requirement of it. Um, And so I think if an intrinsic motivation for you is self-improvement, then coaching is a really good fit. Um, Another thing is I think you have to try, if possible, is to put yourself in a place where you want to learn from the people around you. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen coaches who are excited for self-improvement, who want to learn, but they're in an environment where they're around coaches who don't need, or mentors who don't want to teach them or who that new coach doesn't even want to learn from. I was very fortunate to be in a position where I had people who wanted to teach and people who I trusted and felt comfortable learning from. I think that's another really important one. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, really, really important. Um, and I think I think the other one is um, you need to like the fitness lifestyle. That's probably something we don't say enough either, right? Because I have run into a lot of a lot of young coaches, or actually just coaches at any level, who are just like, "Yeah, I don't really care about eating that well. I don't care about working out regularly." Um, but I'll show up and coach some classes. Yeah. It's just this idea of practice what you preach, isn't it? Yeah. hundred percent. And you don't have to practice it the hardest, but you got to be at least, you know, you got to be involved. Yeah. It's even just, I don't don't know. Yeah. I feel like that for me even is just a case of, I wouldn't trust anyone. Like if someone said here, James, I have the secret this is going to make you a million quid. You're going to have a six pack and your <laughs> partner will really love you. And everyone, and here's the secret. Are you ready? And I'm like, yeah, but have you got all those things? And if the answer is yeah. no, I'm like, yeah, you, you don't know shit. Exactly. No, I think that's, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, and the other, you know, the other thing is I will say this and Hey, I'm towing the party line here, but I have been doing it for 15 years. Uh-huh. Um, we've talked about this and we, we, both of us have probably done it to different extents at different points of our life, but CrossFit works. So I would say for a new coach, just go out and master the basics. Like this is said a thousand times, but if you just take that, that level one material and you become really good at that, mm-hmm. you'll have an awesome foothold as a coach. I can't say that enough. Now, here's the deal. If that's all you ever learn, if I meet you five years down the road and those are the best tools you've got, you're still pretty well off, but you've got to be ready to learn more. Like you have to have leveled up at some point, but that's it. If you can just start there, don't get overwhelmed by the craziness that exists out there. If you can just start with that, that foundational piece and really get to know that and be able to implement that and share that with other people, like you will do a good job. I promised you. And then once you can do that, you can start, you know, go, you can go from there, but it is really a good place to start. It really is. Yeah. I think that's a, a great point. I think that's a great place to end it, James. All right. The best place awesome. to start.
Man, I really appreciate this. If people want to know more about you and what you're working on, where can they go? Um, my Instagram, I'm not, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm trying to get back to it, but like we were talking about, uh, you know, the, the social media world scares me sometimes. My Instagram's uh, James Hobart or at James Hobart. Uh, if they ever want to send me an email at james.hobart at um, For the most part, what I'm focused on right now, I, I try to still do one or two seminars a month, which I am doing. Most of those happen in the States. But uh, the, the team I work with, we've been working on CrossFit affiliate programming. So crossfit.com slash programming, just to see what we've been up to is a, is a great place to look at. But uh, shoot me a note. Always happy to hear from you. And I'll try and get back to you as soon as I can. Amazing. James, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Oh, thank you. I, I, I apologize for taking so long to, to get here, but I uh, <laughs> appreciate you. Not at all. Thank you.